0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets... In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough... Think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic, a sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse.
4: Wow. The
3: clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The fifth hour with Ben Maller starts right now. In the air everywhere. Welcome into the Friday Friday edition of the fifth hour with me. Ben Maller flying solo today. It's Friday, 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 because four hours a night are not enough on the overnight. Eight days a week. Eight days a week. We do this show from the Maller Podcast Studio at a secret location somewhere deep in the Northwoods. And we thank you for supporting the overnight show and finding this podcast. Tell a friend, word of mouth. We have no advertising budget. You will see no Billboard, you will see no television commercial. There'll be no radio commercial for the fifth hour with Ben Maller podcast. The only advertising we have is word of mouth advertising. Other than moving man Matt, who's got the Maller logo on the back of his big rig. Outside of that, uh, there's no no real advertising. I mean, there's a few food food items, but n- nothing nothing massive. Nothing massive. So on the podcast this week, we've talked to professional athletes. We have talked to random figures, some politically. We had a chef on the podcast. But we are going to go back, way back in the history of the Ben Maller Show to another one of my radio friends. So far back that this guy made a surprising appearance on our show. Danny G Radio. He returned. Now, Koopa Loop was away, took a couple days off, was in Vegas. And Danny G, who was my engineer slash producer for a number of years on the overnight show, after Jake Warner left, we had Jake on a couple of weeks back. And so we had Danny G fill in for Koopa Loop. And I thought, you know, that's, we didn't give Danny enough time. We had Tinderoni tips. We brought Tinderoni tips back, but let's do a little deeper dive. And uh, Danny has had a very interesting life in radio. He's actually been in the radio business. He started at a younger age than I did. I started when I was 19. Danny was still in high school. When he started on radio, he made the the plunge. He leapfrogged from music radio to sports talk radio. And I had a great time working with Danny on the show. We had a lot of fun in those days. We hung out together at a, a minor league baseball game. Some of, the, some of the, the, the things we did off the air. Occasionally ugly sweater parties and things like that that popped up. But let's give it up now for the man, the myth, the legend, the great Danny G Radio back on with us here this week. He was on the radio show. Now he's on the podcast. And so, Danny, let's cut right to the chase here. How weird was it for you? How odd was it to be back on the Ben Maller show after several years away?
5: You know, frightfully, it was actually not weird to be back at all, I felt. Well, it felt like a time machine a little bit because some of the same regular Malheur militia members were calling the show, so in a way, I felt right at home like I had never left. Uh, It was a little weird, though, because my legs were aching as I walked into the studio because of some long work days recently, so maybe I feel a little older, but uh, uh, mentally, it was good, and the show was really fun and entertaining, as usual. Yeah, it was
3: great to have you back, Danny. I, I uh, was I was pleasantly surprised. I knew Coop was going to take a couple of days off to go to Vegas and then uh, to have you back back in the saddle again. How many – I'm very bad at dates, Danny. I'm very bad at dates. How many years ago – you were with Clay for a while. When, when was your last time on our show? Because it's been at least two or three years, right? It's been maybe longer than that.
5: Yeah, it, there's, there was a little bit of overlap between the two shows. So I think that's why the math is confusing for myself as well. But I started with you at the end of 2014. And obviously back then the Daybreak guys were still on. So I would produce your show and then co-produce the Daybreak fellas. And then obviously when Clay came aboard, which I guess was 2016... That's when I was working on your show and his. And then I moved to his time slot to be the executive producer. Uh, I guess it was 2018 when that happened.
3: All right, so 2018. But that's three years ago now. That's, yeah. It's time Is time flying by for you as it is me, as I, I don't think I'm that old. But then I realized, my God, I'm becoming old. What happened?
5: <laughs> Time flies when you're not part of a union, and you're getting screwed left and right. <laughs> yeah, you ain't
3: kidding, my man. You ain't kidding, my man. It's uh, <laughs> it is an interesting, uh, wacky, wacky world, man. And I, especially, just the radio life in general. You know, just like the daily radio thing. But I think that's true, probably for any job. I don't know that it's any different in in a, a different different gig than radio but you've been in radio your whole life too so you know you know the daily grind and what that's like and it's a it's a weird thing but i wanted to ask you about you know going from the overnight show we do things a little goofy on the overnight as you know danny because you were part of the show for so many years and then you work with clay and and clay's a sports guy but he's also a political guy yeah and how weird was that when you know you, you know clay's ending up as a topic of conversation on CNN or something like that. And you're working with him and, you know, some polarizing story and Clay's right in the middle of it. And you're in that world. What was that like for you?
5: It it definitely was a little bit of an adjustment period. Although I, I kind of went in knowing uh, some of the ramifications, if you will, of being, um, you know, so well tied to a program like that. In fact, when I interviewed, to officially get that executive production gig, our boss, Scott Shapiro, told me, he was like, hey, you know, uh, whatever Clay's big opinion is on something, especially if it leans political, you're going to kind of be dragged into that and people are going to assume you feel the same exact way. Are you okay with that? And, you know, really, I, I didn't have a problem with that because I did get to speak, uh, uh, you know, somewhat as a co host on that show. So if I disagreed with Clay, The same way when I was on your show, if I disagreed, I got to say something about it, and I got to tell them that I disagreed. So, you know, I was fine. If some average casual listener would just assume something, then, you know, whatever. That's on them. But our regular listeners, which we have a lot of, they kind of know all the different personalities, and they don't think we're all the same robot.
3: Yeah. Well, but there's also those, you know, as you, you know, there's those vultures out there that are just looking for anything they can uh you know they can blow up on that you know social media anything you say especially on a show like that they just they just run with it and and make it much bigger than it is and that's one thing that the difference between like sports for me and political I, in the last couple of years we've had to dabble in that world even on on the overnight show but the difference is the amount of vitriol like we have a lot of sports hate and people get upset because you have a bad sports opinion but political I mean that is a personal assault Danny G right I mean that's a that is just <laughs> they want to rip your guts out because you had an opinion that uh, does not fit with their ideology or their dogma or whatever and it's pretty pretty crazy but what was the coolest thing that happened? Uh, was it the Trump thing where you got to talk to a, pr- a sitting president as a producer of, of Clay Show and is and working on that show?
5: Yeah, I would say that the two most memorable guests were the, the tiger the India's most famous tiger hunter, which Clay gave us a challenge on the air because there was a a big story that went viral about this guy in India who was hired by their government to kill the uh, you know the biggest, threats there in their country as far as the man-eating tigers, lions, jaguars, whatever they were dealing with there that were, you know, the animals terrorizing villages there. And this guy, uh, there, there were some uh, magazine outlets and websites doing stories on this guy because he, he was so interesting. And Clay read a story about him on one of our animal Thunderdomes and he gave us a challenge. He's like, any of you in LA, back in Nashville, anyone producing this show if any of you can track this guy down and actually get him on my show, you know, you're going to get a major reward. And he kind of laughed. And he think in a way he was joking because he didn't think we could actually track this guy down in India. But one thing about me, and you know this because we've worked together a long time, I'm pretty competitive. Uh, If somebody gives me a challenge, I'm going to go all out to try to meet that challenge. So I immediately started uh researching, you know, the internet, finding out who this guy was, who his management was, what kind of phone numbers there was. I, I I tracked it down within an hour I found a website that this guy was attached to. Within the second hour of the show, I found his uh his field manager in India and by the end of that day's show, I was talking to his manager through email. By the next day on the program, I was able to get him on a, uh, their, one of their sat phones out there in India, and he got on the air with Clay that day. And as if that wasn't cool enough, this guy was a, an amazing interview. Uh, his, his accent kind of sealed the deal, but he was just super entertaining and all the information he was giving us about the guns he carried, what kind of ammo, his kills in the past, and what he was doing out there was just so amazing. It, it literally rocked Twitter to the point where I could not keep up with the mentions. And, you know, that's for you. You have so many hundreds of thousands of listeners and followers that you've probably done this in the past in your career where you did something kind of controversial or you had a take that really exploded. But being a producer, it's not every day where you get so many notifications about something you did. you can't keep up with all the mentions
3: yeah that's cool i I actually remember that and uh i did i love the uh, animal thunderdome that that they did on uh, you guys did on that show and uh animal one thing i've noticed from years in radio people love stories about animals they love (laughs) right it's
5: especially when death is involved
3: yeah when you mix death and wild animals and it is crazy when you go to you know, here in the in the South, when you go to Florida or, or South Carolina or somewhere like that, and you know these these massive dinosaurs, these alligators walking around, you know, amongst us and things like that. But and then you know, outside of America, as you guys on that show with all the wild animal stories with tigers and hippos and you name it, it's it's pretty pretty crazy, man. What was the crazy? Was that that was the greatest guess. What was the craziest animal story that you? dug up, you remember off the top of your head. Is there one that stands out?
5: There is, yeah. One uh, a couple of years ago, it it happened in Alaska, and it it was actually a guy who was known for composing albums with nature sounds, Uh, and he he had an assistant or two that would go out to the field with him, and they would camp, and he would set up his audio gear, and he would record nature sounds. And he, unfortunately was dragged out of his tent or there, there was controversy surrounding what exactly happened to this guy and, and how a bear was able to get him, And, um, and, and so there were different stories There were, at first it was two assistants with him, Then it was only one, nothing happened to the assistants. Only he died. So we were like, well, how did they not hear him being dragged out of his tent? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I actually contacted uh, their their version of CNN out out in so oh th- you know what not Alaska my bad this was Canada so I I actually um, got a hold of their version of CNN out there and was was able to talk to a reporter that was covering the story and you know what she was tight lipped about it too she it was kind of like you pesky Americans you don't believe what we're, we're reporting and Clay had lots of questions about the story because it didn't add up. It didn't make a lot of sense the the way it was being reported. So we spent a good week or two kind of keeping track of that story and the news surrounding it, and um, that one really stands out because to this day, I still have not gotten a straight answer uh, from that reporter, uh, the TV station I talked to, all the people we got in contact with, And, and I think that that was one of the intriguing things about the Animal Thunderdome and still is, is you, you want more details. Uh, you know, nowadays, reporting is not what it used to be. So, you will you know, you'll sometimes see stories where you still have a lot of questions after you read the article.
3: Yeah, yeah, well, exactly, because it's not about detail. The attention span they've determined years ago, and, and when I was doing benmaller.com in those old days and and, and just putting little blurbs up, and it's even worse now because of social media. Like you just you don't read yeah. anything more than at the most two paragraphs on any story and there's really no point in if you're in that business of publishing stuff, why are you gonna why are you gonna publish a long story when it's not gonna be read other than the first couple of paragraphs? People just want bullet points. But you but you are obviously right. I mean you want you know occasionally, yeah, what, yeah. Occasionally you want more they, information.
5: Or uh, they copy and paste then. Like uh, there were times where a news outlet would get something wrong, later we'd find out what really happened, or we'd see a better written article. But so many of the outlets ran with the first thing that was reported that they just copy and pasted, and they never even, um, you know, they never even went back and corrected what they reported. And you see a lot of that nowadays.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of the deal also is it's the echo chamber, right? It's not. There's only. Here's the way I, I, I look at, at social media. There's only a few people creating original content, and then there's just a lot of people repeating, you know, the echo chamber, repeating the same stuff, repackaging it, yep. and putting it all over the place. And so that's, it seems like there's a lot more possibilities to get content, but there, a lot of it's just the same stuff regurgitated and all that. I, I got an email from Yo Yo Ma Benny. Uh, he said in the headline, This is Barry. Barry's in Nashville. He's a huge fan of yours, Dan. He wanted you on this podcast and he wanted, <laughs> he he had some questions that he wanted. And I, Barry's been a big fan of the overnight show for a while. And so he wanted to know, like, like, a little behind the scenes inside radio stuff. So you're working for Clay. Rush Limbaugh is sick. Rush had been sick for several years, he'd been in poor health. Uh, diagnosed with cancer, and then Russ uh, Rush ends up passing away. And so Clay, Clay's in the running to get the gig, and you're working on Clay's show. He's doing a sports show. So what's going on behind the scenes? How, how soon did you know that Clay was getting the, the Rush Limbaugh job? And uh, you know, also, were you in the running to go and work on that and just leave and do political stuff?
0: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Yeah, well, to answer the first part of that question, I didn't know much about what was going on behind the scenes, because at that time, there were a lot of other things also happening simultaneously simultaneously. Clay had just sold his website outkick.com to Fox Corporation. And so while all that was that was kind of at the forefront and we were dealing with what was going on with that and Clay was adjusting his schedule slightly to kind of, you know, make all that happen and as I was dealing with that, that's when I got the news about, you know, him not returning to Fox Sports uh, radio network. And so it, you know, it was pretty sudden. Um, But the explanation that was given to me by our bosses was that they didn't want to tell anyone, not even his producers, until his ink was dry on the contract. Because the way it was explained to me is he obviously is good at talking politics, but he wanted to stay in the sports world because that's where all his stories originated. And at heart, he's a sports guy. But, um, you know, they were able to convince him that he could, do even more of what he wanted to do uh, with a slightly larger audience if he took over um, or half took over Rush Limbaugh's chair. So, you know, that's kind of how that all shook out. Um, The timing was crazy with all of it. Like I said, so many different things were already happening behind the scenes. But once he decided, okay, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do it, um, man, it it was like the next day, hey, this is going to be the final show. So I sped over to the studios and I put uh, a best of together where I dug back years and years to some of the highlights of the show. And I worked an all nighter uh, leading into his program um, so that I had something to play at the end of his show to say goodbye. It it was super quick, such a quick turnaround. And then, you know, I was told by the bosses, hey, we're going to have you in place right now. Uh, the way you were a rock star for Clay, we need you to do that again for the next show that's going to try out. And in my conversations with Clay, you know, he, he obviously, um, uh, him and Buck Sexton took over Rush's show. But the Rush Limbaugh show was already in place as far as the producers and the phone screener and the, the guys back at their New York studio and then what they set up in Nashville. It wasn't like it was a brand new show from scratch that Clay was you know, the only person in charge of, so a, I would have had to live in New York or Nashville and B I do sports radio. I, I, I gotta tell you, I mean, I don't mind when politics gets mixed into sports a little bit, especially if you open it up for everybody to give their opinions about it. But as far as doing political radio every day, um, and and maybe you'd agree with me on this. I I don't know if I could do that. I, I love sports stories. I love sports. I don't wake up every morning and check out what's going on with Democrats and Republicans and uh, party stuff on either side. That's, that's just not me. I, I wake up every morning and I check sports scores and stats and stories. So I'm a sports guy, number one. It would be really hard for me to do po- politics every day.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I, it's always if the check was big enough, right? If the check was big enough, you would you would do it. But
5: yeah, I, I love not for me, not for no, me. No, but you know what, Ben? Yeah. Honestly, I've made good money in radio, and I know that's kind of funny to say that because uh, we we've done, both done this a long time, and yeah, we hear horror stories about radio guys who died broke, uh, sure. and we've and also you and I have met Steve Harvey and other guys who have gotten rich from radio. Uh, and, and you and I met Rush Limbaugh that morning because he used to work right across the hall from us whenever he was in LA. Well, actually,
3: I did not. I was. I have one of Rush's pens because pens, that's right. I, I got one of his pens. But I, I, I missed Rush. And, and we, we, for those that haven't heard past podcasts, we've told the story working Fox uh, Sports Radio is at the Premier Network studios in LA, and and i have been lucky enough to work there for a long time with the exception of 6 months and 26 days and when rush would come in it was unreal they'd roll out literally the red carpet he has he had his own studio right across from the fox sports radio studios he you know they'd have, and he, he'd only be in la maybe once or twice a year and yeah. in his whole professional better studio than we have. And, uh, you know, we're there, you know, 365 days a year pre-COVID. And, uh, yeah, and it was it was crazy. I mean, it's just everyone was on their best behavior. And it was like the, everything was planned out when Rush w- would get there. But, yeah, it's been pretty cool. We've met some really neat people over the years. I remember in the old days uh, I had a chance at one of the Christmas parties back when we had Christmas parties to meet – Art Bell was there. Matt Drudge did a show for Premiere. I uh, met him and uh, Dr. Laura. I mean, these are some big radio stars. If you're a radio nerd like us, Danny, <laughs> these are big names in radio, right, to be able to schmooze with these radio people. And Jim Rome was yeah. working for the company at the time and, and all that. And so – uh, a lot of people have also asked danny i mean wh- where are you at right now obviously you're you filled in for our show i know you're doing some stuff yeah. on the weekend so you're kind of you're kind of bouncing all over the place as they try to you know figure out what's next for you is that would that be an accurate portrayal of what's happening right now
5: yeah that kind of ties into what we were talking about there with um, you know some people in radio not doing great with money and others making a ton of it um, you know, in my past, I, I was fortunate enough to have a couple of hip-hop stations that I built or helped build, and they did really well, and I made a lot of good money. Of course, I blew most of that money uh, in my 20s, yeah. uh, but, but then to cross over to sports was a really cool experience. You know, I went from hip-hop to sports, and uh, from NBC Sports Radio, I went to your show uh, and then to Clay's show, and, and so sports has worked out. Uh, And so that's kind of the lane I'm in now. And, you know, when you say if the check is big enough, you you know, to a certain point, because if it's something you don't like, man, money is good. You know, and I've had it and and I I grew up without it, but I was able to get it at an early age. Um, You know, there's something to be said on both sides of it, because, you know, obviously everyone always references biggie, more money, more problems, but it's so true because when you find yourself in the middle of something that's huge uh, and everyone's making a ton of dough off of it, it's great while it lasts, but it's also, it also takes years off your life. You know, there's a, pi- a price to be paid for it uh, whether that's stress or ulcers or, you know, like athletes where they take some years off their life because of what they do physically. Uh, there's something to be said for having a peaceful life where you make enough money to be comfortable, but you're not stressed out of your mind and you, you actually have good balance in a life away from your job. So that, that's what I've been trying to figure out right now after clay show left and uh, the new show took over. They brought in their producer that they had on Sundays uh, for Jonas and Brady Quinn, their longtime producer Lee DeLapp, was able to come along for the ride with them so that they could start a brand new show. Fresh. And, you know, I have feelings about that where I'm like, well, I did the hard work and I didn't do anything wrong. So personally, I don't think I should have been moved. But at the same time, it's radio. That kind of stuff happens. So for me now, the challenge is to find the next Ben Maller show or the next Outkick, the coverage. Those shows don't come along every day. And that's the hard part is, as you know, radio, a lot of times it's a waiting game and you have to wait it out. And then things fall into place, and then the next, the next journey begins. So right now, I have just been uh, hustling as much as I can to pay the bills, and thank God I had a little bit of money in the bank. And, of course, Clay gave me. Thirty percent of his Fox Corporation sale.
3: Yeah, sure. So. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so, I'm sure. He did. So that was
5: awesome. I mean, yeah. I could live off that money for years.
3: He probably gave you some of the Limbaugh money that he got, right? <laughs> and uh, you know, one of Rush, one of the old gold microphones that Rush left behind, you know, and all, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I just want to be. You know, we're at the point. You're around my age, Danny. We're similar, and and I'm like, I want to get yep. to the point where. I don't have to worry about this payment and that payment, you know, I want to be, Yeah. and I'm still, I'm still chasing a lot of stuff, you know, I'm still chasing a lot of stuff financially. So I just want to get to that point. I don't have to be Steve Harvey rich, you know, where I have the, uh, you know, the houses here, there and everywhere. Not that I wouldn't mind that, but I'm, I'm good. I just, you know, I want to be uh, okay. But as it, what's the yeah, old com- saying, what's comfortable. The, yeah, comfortable. comfortable, comfortable
5: without TMZ
1: chasing you around.
3: Yeah, exactly. I don't want someone like, you know, it's just like Jim Rome when Jim Rome or Colin Cowherd sell their house, it ends up in the LA Times uh real estate section. When I I just move, nobody knows where I live, nobody cares where I live, you know. It's that it's so the anonymity is a uh, a good thing for sure, but uh, yeah. it's you know, and I I made some good money too. I mean, I, I mean we I got into radio before the salary structure went to hell in a handbasket back in the 90s when you know it, it's really the late 90s it started to change and then it just continually got worse and worse as the years uh went on but you know i i don't, I don't know you you started in radio younger than i did though did you you how I, old I, were
5: you how old were you i was 15 so i just celebrated my 30th year in broadcasting wow um Yeah. So it's been a wild ride. I mean, I, I was at, we had a high school radio station where I was at and I started there uh, when I was in junior high, I would, I would walk after school to the high school and the, uh, the electronics teacher was the dude leading that little radio station, but it wasn't a little radio station, which was the cool part. It had a lot of wattage for a, you know, a station like that. It covered the entire city. So if you had a show on that high school radio station, you actually had listeners. It didn't just cover the parking lot of the campus. Um, So my older brother and I, we took advantage of that. We played some good hip-hop and R&B music and read everybody's dedications and requests a couple of times a week when we did the afternoon radio shows there. Uh, And then I parlayed that into the college radio station uh, there in Northern California where I was at and did this really popular Friday night rap show. And then at 16 years old, I got my first commercial radio job working weekends at a big station in our city. Um, and it was my first paycheck from radio. It was awesome. Uh, you know, and from there, uh, I, I was already doing it all through high school. So as soon as I graduated, packed up my bags, uh, moved to Ventura, and uh, built helped build a big hip-hop station that still stands big ratings there today uh so man, what a wild fun ride um you know and and that's the part that's the part i love about it is just connecting with the listeners and making an impact in the community that you're in and in our case it's a network so we're all over the world the country and you know we have listeners everywhere which is even more amazing Um, so if the paycheck is good enough to just cover your bills and for you to be comfortable Then the bottom line, and from what I found out in 30 years of doing this, when you have unscripted moments on live radio and all of us are trying to not laugh like the other night, but we can't help it and we just are interrupting Eddie's update because, uh, you know, we're all just laughing and we can't stop. When the show's over, you're on like a natural high. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. It's like you smoked some good bud, but none of us are smoking, you know, we're all sober. But when you do really good radio, you are buzzing afterwards. It is like a natural high because we know that we have listeners out there that might be having a hard day, a hard morning, a hard life, a hard month, but you are that moment, that bright spot in their day where you actually make them smile and laugh. And that is the best part of radio. I completely
3: agree with you. I, I could not say it better than you, Danny. And, you know, I started, I was 19 years old, so you have four more years on me. Um, but I, that's the, and I get an email from people, and being on the overnight show, and you know this when you worked on the show, we have a lot of people that are sick, a lot of people mm-hmm. that have bad health, that are going through some really dark times in their lives. And it, it is, when you're alone late at night and there's no one around, it is so bad. I mean, you just want someone to talk to. You can't call anybody. You can't. I mean, you're just by yourself. And, and I, I always love when I get an email or something from somebody who said so-and-so listened. And you know, every night they were sick. They had this, that, and the other thing going on with them. And they love the show. And um, it's great. And I, I you know not that you don't get that during the day per se, but I think it's more of a nighttime thing. I think during the day it's more the hustle and bustle. And it's people yeah. in the car on the way to work or on the way home from work or whatever. And we have people that listen overnight that are working. But I think it's a lot of people that are by themselves, whether it's in a hospital or at home or just dealing with the crap that life throws at you. And it is, it's is—it's one of the, the great powers of radio. And I think you know, we are I'm, I'm biased. I'm sure you're biased too, Danny, as a lifetime radio guy. But I don't think you get that same sense from any form, any other form of media. It's just different. There's something about radio and just having somebody talk to you or listening to music when you worked in music radio, you know, and have somebody, it's just a different animal than television and even like the internet. I mean, the internet's great and wonderful and I can spend hours on YouTube, which is basically just television Mm -hmm. where you choose what you want to watch and all that stuff, but it's, there's something about radio to me that and and I guess I'm I'm archaic because I believe that but you we're doing a podcast right now I think it's a similar thing with a podcast it's not quite the same one of the magic things about radio is you're actually like we're there we're live there's another human being alive that's on in the middle of the night you know and I think that was always the big selling point I thought was that we're actually there we're not recorded we're doing it live do it live right do it live like Bill <laughs> O'Reilly said back back in the day
5: dude. No you're 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 you know you're spot on with that because as a kid uh the, you know there was some some pretty can I curse on this show or Yeah it's I... a podcast say whatever the oh, fuck okay. you want no. There there was some pretty shitty things going on when I was a little kid um you know between my mom and dad and a divorce at a young age and my mom was displaced, and for a while we didn't have anywhere to stay for a long while. We didn't have anywhere to stay when we were in Southern California. and it, it was a real shit show, to put it lightly. But one thing I did have, and you'll laugh at this it was a G.I. Joe transistor radio. It, and it was hooked up to like one of those uh, walkie-talkies. So it had a base, and then it had like the walkie-talkie you could take off of it to be mobile. On the base was an AM FM radio, and I listened to Vin Scully on that thing every night. And, yeah, I mean, he's calling a baseball game, but I still thought that that was my dude. I thought, like, I knew that guy. <laughs> you know, you might as well have been my grandpa. And, and I had that every night. No matter what crap was going on in life, I could count on him, and I could count on that time with my radio. And it, it was awesome, man. And then when I got into music, when I got a couple of years older, there was K-Day radio with the early hip hop in KPOO in San Francisco, which did a lot of live mix shows and played unedited versions of rap songs, which was pretty amazing at that time. And I listened to all of those live turntable mixes on that radio. I listened to Vin Scully on that radio, Bill King calling uh, Raider games on that radio and it, it made a huge impact in my life. And, you know, that's that's why radio is so important. It, it has played a big part in just about everybody's life.
3: Yeah. When when I was a kid, my mom used to listen to Coast to Coast with Art Bell and, uh, you know, nice. late night. And he sold, one of his advertisers was this radio antenna that you could get. To get you know, listen to faraway radio stations, and I was all in on that. You know, and I begged my mom. I said, "Mom, you got to hook me up with that thing." And finally, she did. And it was pretty pricey at the time. I don't remember how much, but probably by today's standards, it would be dirt cheap. But it was a it was a pretty pricey thing. And I got that, and man, I was like, uh, you know, a pig in slop. I was listening to, you know, being in the West, it's not as cool as I'm. If you're on the East, listening to faraway radio stations. You can get everything, but. I got KOA out of Denver, 850. I I heard a station. I used to listen to Utah Jazz games on 870 out of St. George. I think it was maybe 890. It was a station out of St. George, Utah that I listened to. I got Suns games out of 620, KTAR. I got a station out of Seattle, which was like a news station. So I like all this, like, it was, like, awesome. I was like, you know, that was before the Internet. We're old, Danny. That was, like, before the Internet. You could hear these faraway stations and all that. And, uh, and it
5: was, wow. Well, you were a true radio nerd. I respect that.
3: Yeah. i I was full nerd. I was full radio geek. <laughs> I, I had, yeah. Uh, any, uh, any regrets, Danny, any gig that you had that you could have gotten that you didn't get that you said, oh man, I wish I had taken that. Or are you not a look back guy?
5: Uh, I, I wish I could say I'm not a look back guy, but unfortunately I passed up on a $100,000 a year job in Honolulu. Ooh, yeah. So Ooh. I was pro- uh, uh, I was programming KCAQ Ventura Santa Barbara in the late '90s, and the station just blew up in a major way. I I had an ulcer. I had hemorrhoids. I was bleeding out the mouth and the ass. <laughs> 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 I mean it uh, because Ben. I worked 90 hours. I literally had a cot in my office there in the programming offices. I mean to make it be a monster, I had to turn into a monster, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, I hear you. And, I mean, you as a program director, you have to will your station to victory. It's kind of like, you know, being a quarterback with a broken leg on the field and they are limping you up and down the, uh, the field. They have to carry you. But at, at this station, I had a bunch of talent that was green. I had no budgets for promotions. I didn't have much to work with. But what I did have was really, really good music. Uh, I had a large signal, so that was good. Um, And so I was able to put it all together. And it it was the toughest challenge of my life at the time. And still looking back, probably the biggest challenge I've ever had, besides that early stuff my mom went through as a kid. And I drew on on those experiences, though. I'm like, you know what? I'm not scared of this. I, I had worse crap go on in my life, so I had bad stuff going on in my personal life, but the radio station was doing really, really well. So suddenly they were billing over a million dollars a month in advertising revenue. And they're uh, they're in Ventura, which was market 109 at the time. And they're now billing, you know, tons of money. Just it, it turned into their cash cow for that company. So they were giving me a nice salary, but it caught the attention of some other radio stations and some other groups. And so I got, a plane ticket sent to me from this radio group in Honolulu. They flew me in, they interviewed me, but, you know, I'm in my 20s, and here at KCAQ, I had control over everything. I get to Honolulu, and they're like, oh, this is our in-house, you know, consultant. This guy is the programmer to the programmer. This guy is the, uh, you know, this to that. And so to get one song on the radio, I would have had to go through, like, four different people. And I was like, ah, the money is good. It's Hawaii, but but I wasn't ready to retire. I was just getting started. Yeah. Now, if somebody came to me now, and you know, the equivalent of that now would be $200,000 in Honolulu, that obviously I would go move there tomorrow, but in my twenties with everything going on in Southern California, the way it was back then, I actually turned the job offer down. I did get a raise. Uh, from that group, when I got back from Honolulu, they wanted to lock me in. So they gave me a raise and locked me into a contract. So it it did help with the long-term success I had there, but I still look back. In fact, um, my girl and I, we have a little, uh, three, four day trip planned to Hawaii at the end of November. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And Ben, this is something I planned. Not smartly because I, I didn't know the shakeup was going to happen without kick the coverage and all that. So, you know, I planned this a few months back and then when, when my life got turned up upside down, first thing my girl did was look at me and she's like, what about our Hawaii trip? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you got to do it. You know, you, you going to go to Hawaii while you're unemployed because then you're really on the beach.
3: Well, now um, you you are you did announce the big reveal. We were all shocked. We were talking about that last night, actually, Danny. The other night on the overnight yeah. show, that you know, Danny G. I mean, we've known you forever, and you know, you've always been the bachelor guy, and now you're you're engaged, which is outstanding. Congratulations on that. Now, would if you're in Hawaii, where are you going to Honolulu? or Are you going to one of the other islands? Uh, where, where, no, so uh, we're going to go to Oahu.
5: Yeah. Yeah, we're going to try to avoid uh, people. Okay. Um, so we're going to Maui.
3: Okay, that's great. Yeah. Uh, I recommend... Yeah. I got married in Kauai, if you ever... If oh, you, nice. That's, uh, that's the garden island. Hardly anyone there. It's like 40 miles of roads. That's it. It's all uh, It's all crazy. But I've, I've heard wonderful things about Maui. I've never been... To Maui, I've heard good things. But when you're there, are you gonna, you know, knock on the doors of some radio stations, Danny, and see uh, see what's going on? Wear your Hawaiian yeah. shirt and all that.
5: Yeah, live that dream again. Be like, hey, I'm ready for you now. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think I'm in a good place um, in Southern California right now. Um, you know, I I was able to come to an agreement with Fox Sports Radio Network to stay on. Good and kind of float, kind of float. And produce the shows that need an executive producer, which was how I got to fill in for Coop. Um, and so that's okay for the time being. Uh, and I'm not in a rush to rush into anything else right now. And, and and you know, radio Ben, if you don't have friends inside the building, you're just really not going to get a job at that radio station.
3: Yeah, it's not what you know; it's who you know is oh, the, uh, so- the, the key. Yeah, unfor- unfortunately. And the other thing that I hate about this business, Danny, is when you're unemployed or whatever. When you're nobody wants to talk to you. Like it's like you got the the, <laughs> the, the cooties or whatever, and they it's wanna... like you got COVID and you're coughing. Exactly, exactly. All right, yeah. I I know you got to go, Danny, but listen, thanks for doing this. I appreciate this, and uh, it was fun catching up with you. And
5: yeah, for sure, man. I, I look forward to the next time I'm on your show. Yeah, and you know, I didn't tell I didn't tell you this when we ended the show the other day. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure if Coop would give me the green light on this, or if you knew I did this. But I give I gave away 37 golden tickets <laughs> answering the phones the other night. So yeah, you yeah. guys have fun answering those calls next.
3: week. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm sure you gave them to all the blind Scott too. That that uh, lunatic. Anyway, uh, have fun, Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, Danny. All right,
5: love you guys.